The show you're about to listen to is very old and comes with a warning. When we recorded these shows over a decade ago, the world was a different place and we were little more than children. As a result of this, you might hear a few things that by today's standards, we judge to be inappropriate or offensive. Please don't be offended. In the years that have passed since recording these shows, we've all grown up to be wonderful, loving, liberal, free-thinking, open-minded individuals. If the us from over a decade ago say something to upset the you of today, please understand that we're as disgusted with ourselves as you are. But isn't this what life is all about? Learning and growing? We all said and did things in our younger days that make us cringe when we think about them. We just recorded it and put it out on the internet. With all that in mind, I hope you enjoy the show. Oh, and there's just one more thing. Don't email the show or try to enter competitions. We don't have that email anymore and all the competitions are over. We do have a Facebook group where you're very welcome to discuss any aspects of the podcast. Please visit simplysyndicated.com for more information. Now establishing data link. Accessing. Hello and welcome to Make It So, episode number 43. Yeah. E. E. I am Mike Dawson. I'm Richard Smith. And we are the team that brought you Make It So. Wild Stallions. <laughs> Last week. Half an egg italic and coffee in the other hand. Still in this week. Coffee. It's that late. Coffee. It's, yeah, if if we don't have coffee, if it gets to half nine, you know, we're just... We're just gone. Yeah. Couple of caffeine addicts, you and I. I just... I, I've begun to love it, you know. I... I, You've I begun to, to love it. I didn't used to be bothered, but uh, you're the coffee man. There was never coffee in this house until you started coming here. Yeah, but now that was just because I prefer it to tea. Yeah, but now I'm a, I'm a caffeine yeah. fiend. There's a big step yeah. there, and I've taken that step. See, yeah. I drink two liters of diet coke a day, so I was already a caffeine fiend. But now I drink. I thought three you cups. were off the diet coke. No, 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 no. I substitute it for Pepsi Max and Coke Zero every now and then. Oh, is that I how always, you feel? That I, I always go back to diet coke. I knew you were fixing those blood tests somehow. Yeah. I don't know. Never mind. I'm addicted to Diet Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could just see you in a... a no, I'm not even going to go there because I start making a, what, jokes a, a about... A drug uh, rehabilitation. Yeah, if I start making all jokes these... along these lines, Alison will crucify me one day when yeah. I'm not looking, so I'm not going to do it, but... It, Suffice it to say, I have an amusing situation in my head. Yeah, I have the same situation in my head. I have thought of it many times. Whenever I refer to myself as a coke addict, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. How many grams are you doing? I don't know, about a litre and a half. Everyone in the room goes, fuck! It's all right, it's Coke Zero. Oh, Oh, you want caffeine down the hall to the right. We're the serious drug addicts. Okay, anyway, so it's been a while. Since we've touched on these ones. But. But we have best episode from season four of Star Trek The Next Generation. The sight I have of you right now is so getting ready to read me a story. What? Because I've got my glasses on. You've got your glasses on. You sat in a high back leather chair. You've got your legs legs crossed. crossed. And it's the the box set you're holding looks so much like a book. And I have a small cup of coffee coffee. in my right hand. If you only had the main light off, it would... It would be perfect. Yeah, but I, I have a camera phone. You do I'm, have a camera that phone. That pose is spectacular. This is such a slow camera phone. Uh, there we go. So I, I will share that with everyone. You can share that with everyone later. Yeah. Excellent. So, if you're ready, well, I'll begin. I'm ready when you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting comfortably. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. So then I'll begin. Okay, so first episode, obviously following on from the dramatic, drastic first ever season cliffhanger for Star Trek ever, Best of Both Worlds Part 2. So we kick this season open with a belter. It is a belter. Belter of an episode, belting its way across our screens and is still one of the most monumental classics of sci-fi television to date. We've just seen Picard as Locutus for the first time and being hit with it to be continued in a year. Yeah. We've got Captain Riker in this episode for the first time. We are left with the horrible decision of whether or not he destroys the Borg ship and the captain he loves. You 
surprised that he doesn't do it in a kind of... Well, he does do it. Well, but he he's, you're surprised at no, the fact I mean, that his plan just fails completely. And then there's the wonderful twist where he says, well, actually, I know everything Picard knows, uh, and so do they. And uh, you're all a bit fucked. They Whoops. should have let uh, Wesley... Oh, I didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah. No. Should have sent a different ship. Anyway, so... It's this barnstormer of an episode. It is. I, I love it, but it's... It you is. know, if we're going to be really strict and say sort of best episode of season four, it, it can't in my book win because it is good, but it is nothing without the last episode of season three. And that's the season three episode. Now you see, that's a bit unfair. Is it unfair? It is a bit unfair. Yeah, but half of this episode is not in, is the in season. another season. Yeah, I know what you mean. Maybe we should do a best two-parter at some point that's good when we run out of these to when do. we run out of episodes yeah. someone someone suggested on the forum that we do a babylon 5 episode and i did quite quickly say yeah that's when this show is very close to the end of its lifeline is when we do a babylon, babylon 5, 5 show when we start talking about other franchises and do but, a battle battlestar galactica episode on a, a firefly episode and everything else like that and then it becomes the sci-fi podcast with mike and rich i don't know a babylon 5 podcast seems like a very extravagant way of saying you phoning that guy yeah which is essentially what i think it might be are there enough people interested for a babylon 5 podcast it was a cult hit man it was a cult hit the cult hit is dead it is dead. It is dead now. There is no such thing anymore. But back in the day, pre all this internet malarkey, there were cult hits and Babylon 5 was one of them. I just never got into it with its Amiga graphics and its crap acting and Chekhov. Bad dialogue and... Bad dialogue yeah. stories. I didn't care about aliens that looked like I'd made them. Well, as you see, the stories, this is again what we went to last week, but the stories were what kicked ass in Babylon 5. Oh, were they? The story was immense. You know It was what? the only reason anyone watched it. I'm going to... I'm going to admit to the fact that I don't know anything about the stories and so probably shouldn't comment on the quality the of The story is actually incredible, but you're quite right. The acting, dialogue, It just never gels effects, for me. Never, yeah. Costumes, makeup, really. sets, all bollocks. Bad move then, really, as but, a TV but show. But how good the story was kept you watching it anyway. Fair enough. Anyway, different show, not scraping the particles out of the bottom of that cyber barrel just yet next episode so we're saying best of both worlds is a pretty pretty fucking good one we know this who doesn't know this come on raise your hands if the with the real non-star trek fans please stand up family episode two oh i fucking hate this one i actually quite like family picard goes back to paris to france because he's a frenchman because with other Frenchmen who speak with english accents yeah and and old old acting buddies of patrick stewart from rada I play his brother. Did he go to Rada? I, I was. I don't know, but he's one of the old, old school Shakespearean actors. Very serious, and they spit a lot. Those sort of people. Yeah, yeah. He plays the brother, and he's one of those. I really, really. Oh, hang on. We've Why got don't Worf's you like parents this? coming back? Wolf's parents. I have all the specs and diagrams at home. Yeah, that's that's really good. Um, walking around. Your brother is yeah, and Picard fighting his brother in the mud, and he's like, I, I couldn't stop them, and Picard breaks down, although Patrick Stewart can never actually cry on screen. Um, and Do you know, I'd say this is one you have to see if you've never seen it. This is a good one because for the difference in an approach to a Star Trek episode. Now, I'm not saying that this is the sort of the first hierarchical storyline we've ever had in Star Trek, but you have Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and 2, Yeah, and then... Instead of just going back to normal and, oh, I've just been assimilated. Oh, I killed lots of people. Oh, it uh, would probably take most normal people two years to get over this on a basic psychological level, but the deep-seated scars would be with me for the rest of my life. But I'm Captain Picard, so next week I'm going to be back to normal. They actually took mm. the time and gave you an episode of recovery, which it, it was quite a itself, bold move. It's a good idea. I see what they were going for. It just bores me. I quite like it. It's, I think it's actually quite... You're right, it is quite dull on the, all the, the brothers who don't like each other and they're French and they're actually English. Yeah. Um, There's a bit, nothing really wrong with it. Up until the fight. I love it at the end when he starts goading him and and gets Picard to 
I forgot into, about the goading. Yeah, and gets him into a scrap and gets him to emotionally un- unload himself because he can't do it with the crew. No. And so he goes back and it's his brother and it's the first time we've ever seen Picard break down and it's the only time up until Generations we ever see Picard break down and actually get really upset about something. And that, of course, in Generations is about it's the death of about, his brother. Yeah. That, that's why it's important because this is another little story. It's a character that we've met and yeah. it's important to meet these characters because they do have such an influential sort of role to play further down the line, even though you won't see them again. No. Similar thing. It, it's nice that you've met Worf's parents. Yeah, it gives you a nice sort of context to them. Yeah, is... you, you learn more, but you understand Worf a bit more when you see him with his mum and dad. Yeah, and it is that kind of embarrassment of your parents at parents' evening, kind of, you know, they you know they drop you off at the, house, the party that you're supposed to be going to. No, you can't come inside, mum. Oh, you have to come to the ship. You've got a party to go to. When your parents went to parents' evening? No, 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 no. I mean, like, the same situ- those situations. When you, your parents come with you to parents' evening and you're walking around and all your classmates are there and they see how embarrassing your parents are, even though everyone else is thinking to themselves, God, how embarrassing my parents are. Yeah. And, or, and the other situation where you walk into school and, and, or a party, you get dropped off at a party and you say, oh, no, you can't come anywhere. Collect- you know, drop me around the, around the corner. That's, I never made my mum do that. Yeah. No, that's mean. Anyway, next episode. Next episode. Brothers. Belter of an episode. Absolute belter again. Is this the one with the Candyman? No. Who's... Oh, I'm... Other brothers. Yellow brothers. Yellow brothers. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, I thought it was the one where Kern comes back. <laughs> no. I apologize. We're sorry. talking with that, it's, that it's guy. That, law, that guy, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like, 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 like data. It's law. Law. Is this the first time we meet Law? No, it's the second time we meet Law. Law's date is evil twin. Yeah. But we meet Professor Noonien soon. Yes. Again, an astoundingly important episode beyond just to that, see the guy. Beyond that, beyond everything else, we have the first 20 minutes or so, which features Data taking over, well, having his homing beacon integrated yeah. and taking complete control of the Enterprise within five minutes. And that bit when Pat Katzenmacard thinks that he can just about get through to Data at some point or get command of the bridge and then the computer tells him that another thing is stopping him. And it's a lovely little moment where Picard just sort of looks up, just really pissed off. Doesn't even say anything. There's no lines of dialogue. He just looks really annoyed. I've just been fucked over by a talking doll. By Data. Data. Uh, and it, oh, the weird bit as well where the bridge goes to blue alert for the first time and only time ever in Star Trek, I think. Is it like an environmental problem? It's yeah. not like the ship's going to explode. It's just like this You're gonna, poisonous yeah, gas. This decompression or something like that, wasn't yeah. it? This is... Spock did it once. It's very reminis- reminiscent of that, right. of Spock doing it. But that's not a problem. But not when nearly as good. When it takes over the ship, it's fucking cool. Well, the cascading force field situation as well. Oh, also very cool. And that brilliant bit where the, the force field goes over the... Uh, the transporter pad. I was like, uh, careful, Commander. Transporters don't take well to ricochets. No, the core chambers don't take well to ricochets. O'Brien. Good old O'Brien. Brilliant set of lines. And then, of course, Laura and Noonien soon. And we have all three played by Brent Spiner. Which, at the time, you wondered, how the fuck did you do that? Now you watch it and you can tell the eye lines a bit off. And you can tell the, the, coma cree, uh, the, the chroma keying is a little bit off around the, the yeah. edges and everything. But at the time, Jesus Christ, you look it's at it. It's brilliantly like, done. It's brilliantly done still. A feat for television production at that time. You have to meet Noonie and Soon. Yes. This is, a, this is such a key character to, to learn about. And he dies. And he, well, he dies. And that's why it's so important that you meet him now because he's talked about so, so much. But then they bring him back like three or four times. They, they in different ways. Back. Well, not literally bringing Oh, back. he appears it's, in... It's holographic uh, programs and other things. Yeah, he? there's that sort of thing. I'm going to help you explore your dreams, Data, in the guffest hour of Star Trek. Um, that one. I enjoyed that one. Birthright. Oh, that's awful. And then he has that dream about the bird flying down the corridor. That, and you can that's... actually, just as the bird's about to leave the Enterprise, if you look closely, you can see a crew member in the corner with a boom mic. Really? Yeah, it's bad. That's a Wharf episode, though, really. Yeah. That data bit's just to sort of introduce Dr. Bashir because he's the only cast member we'd got on site at the time. Yeah. Sort of thing. 
Oh, there's also um, the other part where his sister comes in and there's another holographic thing. So you see him, at, you see Noonien soon at various incarnations, various times of his life. I forgot his sister when her arm falls off. Yeah. Whoops. God. That gave it away. Anyway, so that was a good one. Suddenly Human, a rescue craft, contains a kidnapped human boy when his family demands his return. Violence ensues. Oh, is this the human boy who is living with people who aren't humans? Like, raised by wild animals, sort of hunting, howling creature people. Yeah, the first time we were sort of given another style of music in Star Trek as well, when he's listening to it in Picard's quarters and everything's shaking. And it's like a death metal rock kind of thing. But futuristic. But futuristic, and Picard's like, turn off that noise! Yeah, that sort of, that thing. It's good to know that for old people in the future, your music's still, still too loud. And called noise. Uh, yeah. Brilliant stuff. That's, Next that's, that's a fairly weak one. It actually. is. It's just there. Yeah. Remember me. Members of the Enterprise crew begin to disappear and are forgotten by the remaining crew, leaving only Beverly. This is a good one. This, this is, is a good, good Beverly Crusher yes, episode. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I it's always enjoyable to watch because I can never remember whether she has to jump through the vortex or avoid it. I think she has to jump through it yeah, because she was avoiding it all the way through. That's and it. The key is just to jump through it. I've actually seen this episode rehashed by the TV series Eureka recently. Ah, right. Which didn't occur to me till we've just talked about this episode now, but it was so blatantly a rip-off of this episode that it must be made by the same people in some way, shape, or form. Otherwise, Otherwise there's a lawsuit in, yeah. the, in the pipe. Because basically, the sheriff of the town, everybody started disappearing in a big white vortex, and no one could remember them. And he had to go through it in the end to be safe. I did love the fact that they, they get... I think Picard's the last one to go, isn't he? It's very well done. I mean, when she sat on the bridge on her own... Well, it's right up to that Picard end. one, and then she said, like, says, well, this is how we've always run the ship, just the two of us. And she's trying to explain to us, like, there are enough places for a thousand people here. Where are they? I was like, no, it's completely automated. We just fly around now. This makes no sense. This makes no sense, Jean-Luc. Yeah, it is quite cool. But it is quite cool. It's Beverly and Picard. How do you get that assignment? Jean-Luc, we'd like to put you on the ship that holds a thousand people, but we're just going to put you on with this woman that you've fancied for years. And you two can just go and fly around the universe together. Is that all right? And we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's a shift assignment for you. Awful. Awful. What a terrible mission. Anyway, so that was a good one. You make up lots of silly rules. Beverly, Thursday is naked day. (laughs) Thursday. Monday to Saturday is naked day. Sunday is naked bar chocolate mousse day, I'd say. It's something like that. If you were going to make rules up, you wouldn't just do one day of the week, would you now? No. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Legacy. The Enterprise encounters the sister of murdered crew member Tasha Yar. I don't know why I'm doing these voices tonight. They work well. Okay. No, they don't. Stop doing them. Fuck off. But I... This was a sort of, let's bring up an old character, but it's not a bad episode. It's not a bad episode. There is also a couple of key points in this, which are quite good. The first part is the fact that for the very first time, when the Enterprise crew are beaming down into a potentially dangerous and hazardous situation, rather than have their phasers on their belts and beam down standing straight into the middle of a fucking war zone, for the first time ever, they actually draw their phasers... And point out, ready to go. ready to go in all directions. So yeah. when they beam down, they're ready for a firefight, which is the first and only time that's ever been done. But fucking hell, it should have been done every time. No, I've seen it done quite a few times. No, I don't think you've I... seen it. You've you've seen someone beam down phaser ready, but think... have you seen them ever do it in the actual? I think I chamber? have. I think it's the only time. It's certainly the first time. That that'll be a forum thread. Okay. <laughs> um... Uh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one. It also has Data doing the coolest move with a phaser ever. Oh, that little, almost the spin round his finger. Yeah, I tried to do that with my toy phaser and never could it. master it, no. His would have been weighted differently. Probably. And it, again, his was a type two, Yeah, wasn't it? No, it was a type one. Of course, season four season now. Four. I'm confused with the episode commentary we've yeah, done. It's because we're doing two in a row today. Because Richard's away next week. I think so. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Or okay. this week. Yeah. 
when this is released. Anyway, yeah. pointless. Anyway, Never mind. Anyway. Okay, so that was Legacy, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, so that's quite good. And it also has Tasha Yar's sister walking around in a ridiculous cat suit. Ridiculous blue cat suit. No, the cat suits in Star Trek are ridiculous, really. Well, what? You just wouldn't actually wear them out in real life. Yeah, everyone else gets those horrible grey things and she gets this bright blue cat suit just because she's fit. It's funky. It's bias. It's reunion. Okay, Worf meets Worf's lover Kayla returns with a surprise for Worf and also for Picard. The surprise coming in the form of a small Klingon boy. The worst thing ever <laughs> to happen to the series <laughs> happened in this episode. <laughs> This was worse than Wesley Crusher. Oh, There's never a no, it's not as bad as when you really need one. <laughs> it's not as bad as Wesley Crusher because Alexander did not have anywhere near as enough screen time, as much screen time. Sorry, that he had thing, enough. He didn't that, have as much the as thing Wesley. Thing that happened to the Vulcan science officer in the motion picture. That should have happened to Alexander. To Alexander, yes, right, Alexander Rizhenko. Turned inside out. Yeah. End of problem. Isn't this the one where Kayla dies? dies. Yeah. And then Worf goes and murders Juras. Oh, we have the end. Of the- oh, with because Juras. simultaneously with it having one of the worst scenes in Star Trek ever, it it's also the- has yeah. one of the greatest scenes in Star Trek history. It remains to this day my favourite Worf victory kill. Worf kill somebody as the rest of the crew come in and go, Whoa! And he goes, fuck you. I'm having him. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> it is great. It isn't is it, so that one? satisfying. All and with the, the... bathlet sticking out of his neck and it just wobbles a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> How undignified. This might this is in the running for my favourite one so far, well, you know, simply for that end. Simply for that moment. Yeah. It is just it is the shock of it. You know, fuck Jack Bauer. Wolf was there first with the old uh Yeah. Just just kill him. He's unarmed, he's on the floor, your superior officer is telling you no, but he just fucking killed the woman you love. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, no, actually, it's against Federation principles. So That's I'm, Federation principles. I'm going to put it down. Riker's a bit slow on the ball here. He does have a phaser which actually can stun human beings and Klingons, in fact. If he really wanted to stop Worf, he would have just shot him. I don't think he really wanted to stop Worf. Though. Probably not. I think he wanted Worf to do what he was doing, but he had to be seen to be, make, be making an effort. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why Picard lets him off. This Did this come up in our episode of shit that people get away with on I Star Trek? I think it did, yeah. People getting away with shit. This you know, was one everyone of the biggest... Understood, but I Worf think just you, gets away with murder. Yeah, you still broke the rules, Worf. You should have been in bother for that, and yes. no one said a fucking word. You should have been charged. We just sweeped it under the rug. Maybe that's just a result of them seeing the Batless stuck in that guy's head, wobbling there, and Picard's got that in his mind when he's should be telling him off. Maybe he's just like, thinking well, about... Have you learned your lesson, Worf? <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on then. Don't stab anyone else. Maybe he's just thinking how embarrassing me. it would be to send that report back to Starfleet. Yeah, Worf, Worf did I... uh, Well, he actually went on to another vessel and killed their captain. Um, I'm unarmed. not going to tell him off about it, okay? Because um, he's a big bloke. Um, he's rather scary, and uh, he did just lose his girlfriend. Anyway, so yeah, that's a that's a good one. I'm not. I nearly said Belter again there, but never mind. Future Imperfect, another good one. This one, a Tomalock episode, which is actually not a Tomalock episode, and then it's not even a, a, a it's it's a holodeck within a holodeck, and it's it a, exactly, a, a, an yeah. alien kid who Riker adopts and we never see again. Well, well there's a surprise. He was never going to keep that kid around. He was a fish bubble eye kid. Yeah, and uh, he looked he shit. He would have cramped Will style. Can he did you look shit. Imagine him bringing back the latest new blonde ensign home, only for Although Fish I'd... Boy to be in the corner of the room. <laughs> I would have loved it if you'd gotten to sort of like the end of season seven. <laughs> yeah, Riker does pull and bring some girl back, and and you never, you've not even seen him. You've not even thought about him since that episode, and there he is, just sat with Riker's dinner. So I made you this, sir. And he's actually just wandering around, making Riker food. Maybe and, Picard Riker, would like, discover him one episode. Well, He'd never officially report that he brought him on board. He'd just keep him in his quarters. Yeah, just just my little man servant, my little boy servant. What, it's I okay. found him? What? I found him. He <laughs> he tricked me. <laughs> I have a little man servant because I found him in a cave. I thought I'd bring him back. Yeah. Do you want to borrow him? It's great programming holodex. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. 
So, so that, it that's would have a, been better if he brought him back on board. Picard had liked him more than Wesley, and sort of we had a couple of episodes of this this fish boy sort of taking over the helm a bit, and Wesley yeah. going, but "What's who's fish boy then?" Well, I'm not flavor of the month anymore. No, fish, start... fish boys for the win. Yeah, fish boy for the win, definitely. I think We've... fish boy then went off and started working with Hellboy and. I, I need to know what happened to Fishboy and why he didn't replace Wesley. You don't need much to know. Better. The writers don't know. You don't need to know. Never happened. But yeah, Future Imperfect, and it had the first sort of futuristic... It was quite a cool episode, this it one, was. when you were young. Cause it was like, ooh. Bit of future Bit of future, but it's not actually future. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, the old Admiral Picard and the, uh, the Ferengi helmsman. I can get over a Ferengi helmsman, but the Romulans being on our side. That's Captain, Pic- Captain Picard, Picard or Admiral Picard of a Romulan warship. Of... This is ridiculous. They say we don't love Star Trek, Mike. I don't know. I don't Bunch know. Bastards. Anyway, the final mission. Another great episode because we got rid of the cunt. Wesley goes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit harsh. <laughs> I thought we'd agreed that Wesley really wasn't all that bad. Yeah, well, this is a good one as well. In fact, actually, for a Wesley episode, this is a good one. It does have the guy getting turned into a chrysalis and and everything in the desert. Oh, this one, yeah, this one. Mm. Ruined only again, like the last one, by the fact that I've seen it 92,000 times. Of all my recorded off the telly tapes that I used to have, it was this episode and the previous one that perhaps survived the longest. Ah, you see, the season three set survived the longest for me. I think season three is definitely my most familiar season of Next right. Gen. Definitely, definitely, uh, which is probably why it's my favourite. Um, although season four is a close second, I have it's, to say. It's good. I have to say, this is a close Especially second. Especially the, the last half. Not had a bad episode yet on this list. Well, didn't we moan about some of the earlier ones a minute ago? Or? Uh, not really. Uh, the uh, Suddenly Human, actually, yeah, we moaned yeah. about that. that but nice. that's apart from that. Anyway, mm. final mission. So, yeah, this is a good one. And then we also learned for the full... I learned for the first time... You know, you, you know, Star Trek teaches you things. Yeah. And makes you a generally smarter human being um, and a nicer, more, more rounded person. Right. Before you tell me what it is you learned, I'm going to guess what it is you learned. Go on, then. Tell me what, what you do you think. You learned... The, the the alcohol that the man drinks dehydrates him rather yeah. than quenches his thirst. Yeah. Because that's what I learned from this episode. <laughs> I can't believe that. And if I'm making that up, there's no way I could have possibly there's no, just said no, that. No, he did not just make that up. We didn't know what that was. He did not know what I was going to say, but that is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, the alcohol dehydrates. There you go. Rather than quenches your first. There you go. There's proof that Star Trek makes you a cleverer person. A smarter person. Absolutely. I'm amazed by that, actually. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's a brilliant plug for the TV show. That's brilliant. I can't believe you. I thought you were going to say something different. I was no, gonna go, and I was going to go, no, 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 no. It's the alcohol makes you dehydrated part. But no, you actually said it. Fuck me. That's brilliant. Okay. So the loss. Troy's empathic powers disappear. And she resigns from her post and as a vital moment. Think she would finally shut the fuck up with moaning about stuff. <laughs> finally, we are rid of, oh, I've got this headache and I don't know where it's going. Oh, I can hear this music playing. Oh, I can hear evil thoughts. What can you hear? Nothing. And you're still moaning. <laughs> Just saying. Okay, so I said a moment ago that we've not, had a, we've not had a bad episode yet. I think the loss is a fairly bad one, actually. It's not too bad i can't remember anything about it so it can't be that it's good. pretty much how i've just described right data's day now this is a good one as well this yes, is a this nice is a good one lower decks-esque different perspective on the ship data goes around and learns how to tap dance and you see the replomat and and the night shift and and there's all this subplot about a romulan uh agent under on the ship as well and and all that stuff, and it's really good, and he's actually writing letters to the guy who yeah. tried to have him killed a few years ago, but they're all friends now because it didn't really mean it. This um, is O'Brien and Keiko's wedding, this episode. Oh, oh yes, of course, of course. Most importantly. The only event in the O'Brien's history that isn't marred by disaster in some way. Oh, no, they nearly don't get married. Do they? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they fall out, don't they? It's just we're all sort of like, why is Data O'Brien's best man? Yeah. How did this happen? Surely it's Geordie. Well, surely it's anyone, because up until this episode, Chief O'Brien is the guy in the transporter room. 
Yes, this is the first sort of O'Brien's Real episode, yes, isn't it? Yes, it is. I mean, he, he's, he had, actually, he's, had, he's had a name for a while, but we've never yeah. really, you know, we just first time we see Keiko as well, isn't it? It certainly is, yeah. Um, yeah. Important episode here. It is, yeah, from a subplot point of view, yeah. Although we we see Chief O'Brien from the episode one, don't we? He's the yeah, helmsman, yeah. and he's promoted to man on his own in transporter room. Well, demoted because he was an officer in the first one. Of course he was. They yeah. just sort of messed nice around with shift stuff in there, the continuity they? again. Suddenly he'd never been to the academy. Yeah. Whoops. Pointlessly um, enough, what well, that would have been the difference if he had part of the temporal cold war timeline shifts and everything like that? Maybe yeah. that's how you explain all continuity in, in Star Trek. It's good. So yeah, Data's Day is a good one. The Wounded. To prevent a war, Picard must bring a renegade Starfleet captain and his vessel to heal. So that's another O'Brien one. This is a Cardassian episode. This is the first Cardassian episode. Oh yeah, we have the very different sort of brown spongy Cardassian uniforms in this Yeah, one. and the weird thing they put over their heads while they're piloting ships. Yeah. We never we see those again either. No, it's not a and good it's idea. And it's Cat not being Goldacat as the first Kardashian, much in the same way as we had Quark not being Quark in the first Frankie episode. and Odd that, isn't it? Really, if you're on Next Gen, you really wanted to be the first one to play an alien. Because because you're going to do it later. Because you're going to be the one who plays the main alien in Deep Space Nine. Exactly. Look at Ro, but then she fucked it up. So that (laughs) one's, yeah, that one's a pretty good one. Um, I enjoyed that one. That had a cool ship, cool new ship in that one, like the Galaxy Class version of the Reliant. Yes, it did. Which was, which was quite cool. And uh, the greatest closing line of when the Cardassian is on is in the observation lounge with Picard and he walks out and without even looking at him, Picard just says, tell your leaders, we'll be watching you. Ah, uh, yes. And everybody goes, Ooh. <laughs> you see that? Picard, he told you then, yeah, didn't he? Told he? You, put you he in told place, you. He told you. They're Fuck watching. It. Yeah. And the card asking sort of shit, you know. Oh, didn't get, didn't really pretty, get away with that one. Pretty hard, he is. <clears throat> oh, yeah, it's good Shifty stuff. Shifty people, right? We wanted a, we wanted a crap episode because it wouldn't be a season of Star Trek about some kind of shit, real shit. Devil's due. The card puts a sultry demon on trial <laughs> to prevent an entire population from signing themselves into slavery. Uh, you know what? The woman in this episode that. Picard could have run off with was pretty good for him and I think he should have done it right just saying that's okay. that's all you think of the stress that followed Picard in his life after this episode yeah when he could have just been swanning around the universe doing what's the name from this one I suppose that's true and but, she's not bad for him but either. he's a Starfleet officer god damn it ah fuck it um she looked like fun yeah she came back in the comics uh, clues. When all except Data are knocked unconscious, it soon becomes clear that he's hiding something. I love this episode. Yeah, this is another clever one. Everyone but Data knows doesn't know something. Yeah, yeah, it's um, a good one. So we have to figure out what it is. Mm. That's a good one. I haven't watched that in a and long time. It's the men with the big projecty heads. Yes, you'll see what we mean when you watch the episode. First contact, not the uh, film. Uh, mm-hmm. Injured and taken to a native hospital, Riker's true identity is discovered with dangerous results. This is the one with the scientist who wants to sleep with an alien. Yeah. In the most, possibly the most ridiculous scene in Star Trek Next Generation's history, as admitted by Jonathan Frakes and the writers. Yes. But it was pretty good anyway. A nice reversal because it's all done from the sort of point of view of the aliens in discovering other aliens walking amongst them looking like them it is a very nice idea yeah and you want yeah nice reversal there nice sci-fi writing not a best episode of the series no keep going what else do we have okay galaxy child geordie's expectations are shaken when he meets the real life version of the holographic colleague leah brahms who he won't sleep with because she's engaged um, I thought she was actually married. Oh, she married. Yeah. Well, one of the two, anyway. It's against Star Trek morality to sleep with a married woman. So None for Geordie. None for Geordie. And this takes 45 and, minutes to tell us so. And she's a real bitch as well. Yeah, she's not even nice to him. But they soured the milk, as James Doohan would later say, when they uh, they get the baby off the ship and everything. Some, yeah. some er- early weird space alien model work 
stuff. Not not a it's great not, one. Not a great one. No. If you want to see good space aliens, uh, Tin Man really of the previous season was a winner. Excellent space alien there. Better space alien looked yeah. better than this thing. Okay, Night Terrors. Now this is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. All time episodes with the most appropriate title ever in Star Trek: Night Terrors. This this is one of those that pushes the border with what's acceptable for this kind of show that Star Trek is. Yeah. And moves into the oh that's a bit creepy. Because the thing is, that's a bit just too creepy. The thing is, did you know you know Ring Two, the Japanese version? Mm-hmm. I was surprised to learn that it was a fifteen. It was rated fifteen on the VHS, and then I actually studied the back of the DHS box <clears throat> quite closely, and it said rated twelve, rated fifteen. Feature is rated twelve. Extra material is rated fifteen. So it was actually rated fifteen because of a trailer that was on the video. Which is okay. a hideous point. I was like, why would you limit your market by actually putting a trailer on the fucking film? Anyway, the point being is that creepy stuff gets through the net with sensors. And there's not really that much gore in this. There's no, nothing, you don't need gore. You don't need gore. It's just creepy ideas, but creepy ideas get through. You they just, don't, it just it, it as long as there isn't any blood and guts, yeah, you through. they don't you're through. I think without ruining anything, you just wait for the shot. When Dr. Crush is on her own in the cargo bay with all the body bags. I have chills just thinking about that. Isn't it good, though? And nothing happens, really. Well, that's the whole thing when they go on to the actual ship, and it's a Federation ship, and the whole crew is dead, apart from one Betazoid. And all of the crew have have been killed by other members of the crew, they slowly discover, or have killed themselves. And and then you see the really creepy bit where you see the captain's logs and Picard starts going through the captain's logs and she's like really jittery and paranoid and and like is going on about the first officer creating a mutiny against her and and when they're wandering around the bridge and it's like this is caused by a phaser at close range on a high setting and the guy's face is melted and the captain's been stabbed in the heart by something in the, in the yeah. captain's chair it's really quite distressing you're like what the fuck's happened here and another brilliant idea of people just going nuts because they didn't have enough because they didn't dream they don't have REM sleep. I don't know how feasible that actually is. Apparently, it's, it's true. If you don't have, if I mean, if you if you stay up for more than yeah forty eight hours, you, you start going nuts. insane. Crazy. You know, you're not safe to drive after. No, no, not at you all. You know, it's you know equivalent to having quite a bit to drink. So I don't know how much I don't know how feasible it is the paranoia or how I think the hallucinations are probably right because you've you've stayed up that late and seen spiders in the corner of the room haven't you I mean yeah you know it's always spiders in the corner of the room but I mean I think the hallucinations that they have like the bit where the lift crushes him and stuff like that that's a bit far fetched but who cares it's good the only problem with this episode is Deanna Troy what happens to Deanna Troy where are you who are you and she's floating in a green thing eyes oh that that is actually quite poor yeah. in terms of special effects but fine for the time yeah. it just doesn't stand up so well now but hey we hey. can get over that sort of thing so that was good another good one identity crisis a collie begins to mutate into another species and Geordie fears for his own safety Geordie slowly turns into an alien this is also a really good one. A really creepy scene as well, where he's in the holodeck and he's got the uh, the footage from the guy making uh, doing the camera log, and he takes. Yeah. I'm getting chills just thinking about it, and he takes away all of the people and all of their shadows, and there's one shadow left on the wall, and he's like, "Figure it for human configuration, and give me what size of that person is," and and he brings up the lizard-like shape where he should be standing, and it's it's really creepy. Falls through in that an invisible object can't cast a shadow, but other than that, it's perfectly fine. Well, it depends. No, it doesn't. If it's invisible, you can see through it. The light isn't blocked by it, so it's not going to cast a shadow. Oh, glass doesn't cast a shadow. Yeah, that's true. A shadow only... is light being blocked by something. Uh, but only if it's projecting, if it's not projecting. If it was actually an object that was just projecting an image on the other side, then surely it would still create a shadow. Because it would still be an object. Possibly, but these are just invisible things. Right. It depends. We never really learn the mechanism of their invisibility, whether they're actually invisible or... No, they are. That's why they can't see I think you still would get a shadow. No. Yeah. No. Anyway. Uh, uh, Glass. Anyway. The ninth degree. 
Okay. Your dog's in this one. Uh, struck by an alien if beam, only. nervous crew member Reginald Barkley rapidly develops supernatural intelligence. This one's fucking brilliant as yeah, well. This one's a good one. I'm just gonna. All oh, right, you've got my next week sorted out for me. Yeah. Season four of Next Gen, Gen. again. <laughs> it's clearly a very strong season. And I was just getting back into DS9. No, season four of Next Gen is a very good one. In fact, I think really, I think even though I do have a fond place for Deep Space Nine season three, this is probably the best season. But I still I still stand by season three and next year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so this is another good one. Aliens rip the ship to the other side of the galaxy and Reg becomes super duper smart and creates a massive machine that points lasers at the top of his head and he controls the ship with his mind. Worth watching for Dwight Schultz. Yeah. As Howling Mad Barkley. Also, the guinea pig doodle. The guinea pig doodle. There's a guinea pig doodle in the shape of an alien probe. You watch it again. A guinea pig doodle. I'm telling you, it's either a piece of guinea pig... You mean pig. a poo? Yeah. Guinea pig shit or rabbit shit. The, the Specifically guinea pig shit. The, the probe looks like a guinea pig shit. I will look for this when I get home. Do it. I'm telling the, you. The probe of guinea pig poo. Yes. That sounds like a, a small village in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome uh, to guinea pig poo. Cupid. Ah, very silly episode that has no bearing really on Star Trek in any way, shape or form, but it has Wolf saying, I am not a merry man. It also has Picard saying, I have a secret for you, I'm not from Nottingham. Brilliant. He's not, from Huddersfield. No, of course not. It's what we all say. He's from the Levar Valley in France, and they speak with an English accent. Oh, fuck, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, also has a, yeah, I am not a merry man, and uh, breaking Geordie's <laughs> anvil, and sorry. It's a loot, I believe. Loot, loot. Uh, okay. it. Sorry, that's an, a line from Animal House, but it's done better in this. Yeah, uh, Michael this is... Dawn's comic timing in this episode is priceless. <laughs> it is um, as well, isn't it? As uh, uh, Gates McFadden actually pointed out in an interview, apparently Gates McFadden and uh, Marina Marina Certis. Certis are the only two cast members, include not including Patrick Stewart who actually trained in fencing and sword fighting, and all they get to do is wander around breaking pots over people's heads. The writing in this episode is atrocious for Beverly and Deanna. Yeah, but I think it's deliberately... like It's not their story. It's a Picard no, it's story. Picard They're not meant story. to be there. You know, he has a supporting cast, uh, but enough. It's it's a good one, but it's it's a Q and Picard and Vash thing. Very and silly and... All that sort of all thing. All the cast of Robin Hood and... yeah. Watch Patrick Stewart in tights. It's good for a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. But mainly Worf. Yeah. Also in tights. All of them tights. Tights. And they big, are men big, in tights. And for a change, big, bright colored costumes. Yeah. That never happens. Never happens in Star Not Trek. At all. No. Okay. The Drumhead. Oh, this is a good episode. Oh, I love this episode. This is so contemporary with the current problems of erosion of civil liberties. And how, because this one crewman's paternal grandfather is a uh, a Romulan and he claims it's a Vulcan and not, he's actually a Romulan and then he becomes suspicious because he's, because he's part Romulan and it just mirrors what is going on so clearly with Eastern, Middle, Middle Eastern uh, yeah. descent. It's just... It's really good, and it's so relevant now, as with that Deep Space Nine episode about uh, teaching kids about the prophets and the scientific approach and blasphemy and the yeah. ev- evolution versus this creationism. Is, this is Star Trek at its best. Yes, it most certainly is. This is what it's for. This is what it's for, and it also has <clears throat> one of the best Picard speeches at the end on the trial when he sat there and he starts talking about man's rights and... God damn it, this is fucking good. You know, I mean, as much as I love the action episodes and I love the the big something weird is happening, I also love the the human side of it where humans start fucking up and this is a good humans fuck up episode. That's good. This is good. hitting the front runner for me. Uh, Half a Life. Mm. So we go slightly downhill here. A renowned scientist reaches the age where he must commit ritual suicide, and Luaxana Troy wanders around going, oh, don't. This is just that bloody woman getting into the program again. 
that we, woman. That bloody woman. Well, she does have a right. But does she does really she, have a right? She's to the be widow of Jean Roddenberry. Yeah, but does that give you a right to be in it? I, I think, as far does as the anyone, wife of everyone who's ever written a program, have a right to be in the show. I think, I think you can give her it. It was only one episode out of every twenty-six, and Granted, she, and she I don't was the computer mind her that much. And she was, yeah, she was actually in every episode. She'll have been paid something for every episode, pretty made. much. And in fact, probably most of the subsequent pretty nifty for Gene, really, isn't it? It was yeah. pretty sort of like a nice cash cow there, wasn't it? In the back, I'll produce the show as long as my wife plays the computer, who features in every episode. Exactly, nice little. Yeah, everyone says what a nice guy Gene was, but he was a bit of a bit of a shifty businessman, if you ask me. Oh, what the hell? Get your wife a role. Yeah, why not? I'd do I, the same. Nepotism's alive and well in every industry I know. It is personally, I think it's atrocious to make media just to put your partner in it. <sighs> of course. But You'd never be guilty of that. No, it's disgusting. I don't... This episode is the one that I hadn't seen, you know, for a long oh, time. I had the and one with I the found... Irish people. You had this one. Yeah. We both did pretty badly. Out of I was lucky to miss it. Not that I'm saying anything bad about the Irish. I just mean that episode sucked. Yeah, you were lucky to have missed this. And were you disappointed mm. when you finally got around to watching it? I was it? disappointed in as much as it was a bad episode, but... Not disappointed in the fact that it was exactly what I expected it to be. Right. You just read that synopsis and you know what the next 44 and a half minutes are about. Yeah. And now, it's not interesting. Crusher falls in love with a parasite, which is transferred to an unexpected new host body. Uh, that's a pretty um, deceptive title. Is this the Scottish man one? This is the, the early trill, when the trill didn't look like the trill that we know later on. Um, and probably the reason that right, the guy didn't get the job. It's the chill again, um, but the chill has a different thing. Yeah. And in fact, the makeup for the chill later on is the makeup used for the aliens in Half-Life, if I'm remembering that correctly. All right. With the spots down the neck. And it also features Michelle Forbes trotting along as as an alien in that episode before her appearance as Ensign Rowe later on. All right. Um, so clearly they saw that. They saw the trill. So I, I'm, what I'm thinking happened, in my head anyway, is that they got to Deep Space Nine and then uh, they said to Michael Westmore or whatever the, the makeup guy's name is. Was it Westmore? Was no he, the, he was the technical guy maybe. I, don't, I can't remember. But the main makeup guy who did all the all of that great work and everything. And they said, oh, oh yeah, we want uh, Dax to look like that alien that uh, uh, from that episode in season four. And I was like, which episode? Oh, uh, Half Alive? And then they got it wrong because it's the next episode that they actually wanted, and so they made Dax look like them. All right, yeah. fair enough. I, that's my theory. It could be complete bullshit. Maybe this just... is the one where they were going to push the whole girl-on-girl action bit yeah. and then chicken at the last yeah. minute, and I'm glad they saved it for when they did. I'm, I'm not, because it would have made Star Trek far more legendary if they'd actually gone through with it at that time. Mm. Uh and if they'd had some balls about that, I mean, like you say, they tackled every other issue um, apart from sexuality, which was un-Star Trek. It was a very un-Star Trek, wasn't it? Yeah, to, mm. to shy away from that. See, but... Yeah. I was going to say... Because they get some chip about it. it in? They got some chip about it. I'd have liked them to... I mean, there's there's things like what was it, Lieutenant Hawk in First Contact, supposed to be gay and stuff like that. And, this, and that's all if you read the book. Only but if you read the book, and there might be outtakes. Yeah, maybe there's something in the subplot or whatever else. But you know, I mean, I don't know what the outtakes would be that <laughs> give you the the gay point across. Him just in a scene, Riker having a snog, and Riker turns out to be bi. He really isn't fussy. He's dancing around in his room to <laughs> "I Will Survive" by Gloria Gaynor. That's see, what happens. I could see Riker being bisexual. Riker's not so much bisexual, just for everyone. Yeah, not fussy. It's not even that. It, it, it's you his, just think he's for everyone. It's his purpose. He's a man's man, a woman's just, man. To just give pleasure. Give pleasure to everyone in any and, way which is possible. Yeah. And if that means having sex with another man, that's what he has to do. A man, a woman, or a creature with neither See, I would gender. have had no problem with that. I would have had no problem with bisexual Riker. No. No, of course not. No. But it would have been... Again, it's a time slot issue. Yeah. Had Star Trek been a sort of 9, 10 o'clock sort of event, then we probably would well, have that's gotten it. I mean, they're things. still prudish about it now. 
But you know what? This is precisely what they tried to do in Torchwood. And look how that turned out. Yeah, but Torchwood was girl-on-girl action. Now, the thing is, if you do guy-on-guy action, you're arsehouse. If you do girl-on-girl action, you're you're porn. porn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you get around it. If you wanted to do a gay relationship in a a TV show and be taken seriously, you do guy-on-guy. If you want to do it and just look like you're trying to get the ratings through girl-on-girl action, then you do girl-on-girl action. Fair enough. Yeah. I never thought of that before, but you're absolutely right, you know. That's how it works. Um, Anyway, so, Mind's Eye. The Mind's Eye, the Mancurian candidate in Star Trek. This is a wicked episode and precedes what we would later see in the season finale with the first appearance of Sela in the shadows, completely shade and you don't see her face. And, ooh, who's that mysterious woman who sounds exactly like Tasha Yar? Who is that woman who sounds exactly like Tasha Yar? We can't hear her fa- see her face, but sounds a lot like Tasha, Tasha Yar. Yar. Is it possibly Tasha Yar? Or someone related or to Tasha, Tasha Yar in some way. Some weird way, yeah. Oh, <laughs> didn't give it away. Um, but it's a good episode anyway. Um, yes, it is. With the, uh, the Romulan plot to, to kill her, to use a guy in Starfleet to set a war about between Romulus and Federation, and yada, yada, yada. And there's the Klingon traitors and everything, and... Like, I will seek asylum. That's from Batar, isn't it? No. Am I thinking of Generations when they get Geordi through his visor as well? Yeah, that's Generations. This is such a good damn season of Star Trek. It is. Now we're going through them. Um, Is that the end? No, not yet. Mind's Eye is, yeah, Mind's Eye is one of the better ones as well. And it does have, like you say, Geordi doing a quiz about his own job at the beginning in the Shuttlecraft, which is quite funny. Um, oh, I love that shot when when he's just yeah. leaning back in his chair uh, and suddenly there's a Romulan warbird out the window. So it's just uh, na- <laughs> name all of these elements. It's like, oh, that's easy. And the computer says, okay, in alphabetical order, fuck wit. Oh, fuck, shit. Oh, I didn't see that coming. And it's like, it takes it really seriously. It's just a game with a computer, for God's sake. Yeah, that was it. That was the sad moment when you realise that computer games have changed from Grand Theft Auto 3 to general knowledge about your daily life. Mm. And then you think, I don't want to see the 24th century anymore. Yeah. Okay. In Theory, which is directed by Patrick Stewart. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, really? Um, Patrick Stewart's first ever directing television. What did he direct? What was it about? The uh, Data Falls in Love with with a woman who plays violin. Yeah, and he he doesn't actually fall in love because he's incapable of it. Yeah, but he replicates it, and she falls in love with him, and and there's 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 things go on, and in the end she dumps him, and he learns about love, and it's so shoppy. It's important though. It's a good episode. I'm just trying to. Get I'm through. I'm I'm just mocking the story, but it's actually quite a good episode, and it's quite Very heartwarming, well and I'm welling up while I'm talking about it right now. Uh, Redemption Part One which is the better part of the Redemption 2-parter, which we will come to part two at another time. Because it's in season five. And it's guff. But see, <laughs> Redemption part two was very good. And if you hadn't spotted that it was uh, Denise Crosby's voice on uh, the episode of Mind's Eye, then it was a wonderful twist. It was an amazing twist when she walks out of the shadows, blonde-haired Romulan and all, uh, yeah. with his pointy ears. And he just went, what the fuck? Who, who are you? What the fuck? What? How did that happen? And and everyone thought about it for six months until the next new season came out, and no one got it. And then they did the next one. I was like, all oh, right. I was never completely stunned by it. It made sense, and it was just a sort of, all oh, right. Well, oh, it, when they explained yeah. it, it was like, all oh, right, okay, okay. But the first time you saw it, you just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Good, good twist, though. And all the warp going off, and the whole crew lines the corridor from turbo lift to the bridge and he's got his Klingon mm-hmm. uniform on good episode gets me right here man yes good one uh, it's, yeah Redemption Part 1 isn't bad it's no best of both worlds Part 1 but it's hey. good so another year in Star Trek The Next Generation wrapped up in 45 minutes what do we reckon Rich I'm going to be outrageous again just like when we named the cast of Voyager as uh, the worst the worst episode uh, ever the worst character. worst character ever yeah my Best episode of Star Trek The Next Generation Season Mm 4 is Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. That's cheating. It's not... They're all fucking awesome. 
That's cheating. You have no excuse for not watching all of them. You don't, but that's cheating, Richard. You can't do that. I was only planning on doing it with season four. All right. I won't do it again. But what happens when we come around to the commentary and then you just decide, oh, well... Well, we'll we'll, we'll do your one. We'll do my one then. All right, okay. You pick one. Drumhead. Drumhead. See, because I've got balls. I can pick an episode. They're, they're all so good, though. How many have we read out? And we've got, oh, it's this one, and that happens. And, That's true. And it's it, and a, you, so, a close second is Night Terrors. Oh, yeah, Night Terrors. I'm going to go with you on Night Terrors and Drumhead. Yeah, they're, they're, good they're the best episodes. But In all seriousness. You can't get these individual anymore. You've got to buy season four. Yeah. Don't If you've got season four, don't be picking episodes. Put the first one on and sit there until the last one. Because they're all good, apart from that bloody accent and try one. Yeah. Skip that one or watch it another day. But the, the it's others... fair to say, out of that lot that we went through, there was only three episodes that we kind of went. Ah. Well, Deanna, uh, not Deanna, Deanna Luetz and Troy, the Devil One, and uh, Suddenly Human. Yeah, and to be honest, They're Suddenly Human and the Devil One, and even that Luetz and Troy one, aren't that bad. It's got the guy from Mash in it. Exactly, they're not that awful. They're yeah. just they're just average episodes, really. In fact, they're only awful in comparison to everything else in that season. It's an incredible season of Star Trek. It certainly is. And, and I'm now now that I've read through it, and I know, yeah, it's only because I have a fond place for it in in my childhood that season three tops my list. But that's probably technically the better season. I think it probably is. Yeah. I mean, if you shopping for the episodes on iTunes, get Night Terrors first, but. No, if you're getting them on DVD, and you probably should be. Yeah, yeah if you anyway. want, yeah, if you want a proper, if you want one of the sci-fi weird shit happens episode, Night Terrors is the one. If you want a sociological, philosophical, issues-based Star Trek episode, Drumhead, you you can't do much better than that. Exactly. That's a really, yeah. Anyway, let's wrap this one up then. It's been a long one again. Sorry for my cop out answer, but there you go. They're all good. They're all good. Tell me when you grow a pair of testicles. Okay, night terrors then. Thank you. See, it's empty though, because you know I mean all of them. I know you do. Hollow, hollow answer. Anyway, Mm. so there are other things you can watch, listen to, things you must do on simplysyndicated.com. I've just destroyed the world. Carry I'll, on. I'll Rich. carry on talking. We've got lots of other shows you can check out. Movies you should see. The definitive word. We can watch as men of the house. Albums you should hear. Or do you think that's just bollocks? And soon coming many, many more until we make everything that you watch on any medium or even listen to. <laughs> I'm doing it now. See, it's contagious. Stupidity is it's contagious. Because today I've received in two separate emails from listeners people saying uh i showed it to my friends and they had a watch and one that said about getting us more viewers and it just plays with my head yeah yeah it does happen like that you listen to it what are you watching and you're emailing me are you watching another show no i do wonder that yeah but we all do it too we all do it so it's okay yeah make fun of me too i'm sure people do um, so check those out. If you go to simplysyndicated.com slash shows, you can see all the different things that we do. Get on it? the forums. We're running out of ideas again. We are. So no, I've let, got, let us, well, we're not. I thought we could five more when we were know, doing that all, last one. There's all the rest of seasons to do. And so episode many episode commentaries. commentaries yeah, there's tons, of, there's tons of things to do, but we want to do more of like, you know, best battles, best alien things. So, you know, come up with some ideas and put them on the forum. Give us some work. Email us. We'll do them. Make it so it's simply syndicated.com. Dig us on dig. There's a dig button on our webpage now. Vote for us on Making podcast. Making it ever Alley. so easy. Ever so ever easy. So, you just click and log in to dig if you're not already logged in. Where I'm already go? logged in, so it's easy. I just click. Jobs are good. Uh, and net vibes buttons as well if you want to add us on net what vibes. What the fuck is net vibes? It's like a homepage thing. Like, like I Google, only it's not Google. Right. If people want to... I'll show you later. People who use it know what I mean. Yeah. So it's okay. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think we really have anything to say. Okay. Oh, uh, t-shirt suggestions, maybe, and uh, stuff like that. Okay. Smashing. Jolly good. Okay, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back soon. See you next week. <laughs>